Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. The the title of today's message is Moving Immovable Mountains. Go ahead and say that three times fast to your neighbors all around you. Come on, sound like a prayer gathering up in here. (laughs) Moving Immovable Mountains mountains let's pray God I pray you do so much more than just words do that you would um, take this time and multiply it so that we, we would receive into our hearts every last word that you gave us so that we could receive the freedom that you died to give us in Jesus Christ's name I'm praying and believing anyone who agrees with me can say amen I'm going to read a, 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 a a scripture that will frame today's message from the book of Nahum. The book of Nahum. Some of you are like, Nahum, I got one of those books in my Bible. Yes, you do. He is, he is a minor prophet, uh, which means uh, only this, that he'll be found at the back of your Old Testament. And it does not mean that what he said was minor and it has very little things uh, uh, um, uh, of, of weight or importance. It just means that we have less recorded, recorded from some of the minor prophets than we do from like Isaiah and Ezekiel who are considered major prophets because their books are majorly long. Some of you have thought that before. Like, when does this book end? I don't know. I've been in, I've been in this book a long time. So Nahum is one of those if you want to feel really good about yourself you're like hey I'm gonna open the book of Nahum I'm reading the whole book today and you'll be like done in three pages come on you got this thing right it's all about um, <laughs> lying to yourself to get yourself going you know what I mean like small beginnings we'll talk about that all right Nahum chapter 1 verse 15 is spoken before Jesus was ever known or historically came into existence and yet it spoke so accurately of Jesus as he said in verse 15 look a messenger is coming over the mountain someone say over a messenger is coming over the mountain with good news say good news he is bringing a message of say this last word with me peace okay so I want to point out a few things that this messenger is going to come over every single mountain he'll come over every mountain you can see and he's bringing two things with him he's bringing good news and he's bringing help me out peace come on peace to your friend next to sitting next to you right this is what he brings and it points to what Jesus Christ did we celebrated Jesus last week and his resurrection on Easter where he 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 resurrected and this is what he did You know, it talks about going over mountains. Mountains can be so refreshing and restoring to many of us. Any of y'all love the mountains? Come on, some of y'all might be beach people, but I can remember going to Tennessee when our oldest daughter was younger, and my wife and I were there, and we were in the mountains. We were so high up in this, like, wooden cabin that when I'd go on the back porch with a nice cup of coffee with a little bit of a chill in the air, because anytime you have coffee in your hand, it's more anointed than when you don't have coffee in your hand. Some of you feel me, and you're like, I know exactly what you're preaching, best. And, and, and I was on back patio and I could look over the mountains and you know sometimes like the clouds were lower than us 
and they covered some of the land. And it was just like, oh, it's refreshing to be in the mountains. I went into, we went into Luray Caverns where you go in the mountains sometimes. If you've ever been there, I'm telling you, you're going to want to see it because I think God's just showing off. He's like, y'all call that abstract art? Check this out. <laughs> Watch what I can do in a mountain. And God is the God of the mountains. But um, there's a real difference between physical mountains and spiritual mountains. Physical mountains, they inspire you as you see them, right? But spiritual mountains intimidate you. You ever been intimidated by some sort of mountain ahead of you? Physical mountains we can walk away from. Spiritual mountains we carry with us everywhere we go. Seems to be around any given corner and it won't get out of my mind and it won't stop intimidating me. Physical mountains fill us with awe and wonder. Yet spiritual mountains fill us with anxiety and fear. <gasps> what? What was that news? What's happening? Physical mountains we stare at speechless, but spiritual mountains Jesus teaches us to command them by speaking to the mountain and say, be cast into the sea. See, Jesus is teaching us through his message that the miracle is often in our mouth when we use our mouth to speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus Christ. Some mountains, physical mountains were not meant to move, but spiritual mountains are in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? I want to help some of you who are dealing with some mountains that God wants you to move out of your life. He, you aren't needing to stay in its presence and be overshadowed by it and live in fear of it or be paralyzed by it. God has equipped us through Jesus Christ to speak to the mountain and become someone who learns as Jesus did to move the mountains out of the way in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to help you break free today someone say freedom if you don't know what I'm talking about let me define a mountain a mountain is anything that overwhelms or distracts you from God's purpose or his presence come on you can be worshiping him and then you remember what you got to do in an hour from now and you're like <gasps> Siri is feeling it too for somebody in the front row they, they like that mountain I'm telling you it, a mountain is also a situation that robs your peace that steals your joy or drains your faith when you think about it. You ever had a mountain show up on your digital device in the middle of a great moment? Have you ever had a mountain call you up and share the diagnosis of a family member and all of a sudden it takes all of your, your breath as you, oh my goodness, that's an over, how can we accomplish anything in the wake of this mountain? A mountain tries to take from you. It tries to fill you with fear. And I want to speak to us today about the mountain that comes on, that, that, that needs to be moved. Maybe it's a loved one's health. Maybe it's being concerned over the spiritual state of our kids. I don't know how my kid's spiritual state is going. I don't know how my grandkids are going. I'm fearful about if they're going to worship Jesus. Maybe it's mental or emotional health, like depression or anxiety. Maybe we wonder whether we'll ever break free from it. Maybe it's worldly mountains where we start thinking the political pressure is too much. The direction of our nation, the economy, the inflation rate, what is going on? 
mountains of disappointment. I'm telling you, a few about a month ago, I was disappointed in some church leaders I look up to because I want to see church leaders stand. And you, for a moment, the enemy can try to say, you see, it's inevitable. It's not going to happen. This isn't, this isn't going to work. But I'm telling you, it's a mountain that needs to be moved in the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's financial mountains where you say, I want to be more generous but I've gotten myself under the weight of financial debt that I need that mountain move and I just haven't been free in a long time. Or maybe, somebody help me out, it's a fitness mountain that you keep failing at, right? And you're just like, come on, Lord Jesus Christ, come in and help me. It reminds me of a joke, a tweet I once read recently. Maybe you've seen it. It says, brain cells die, skin cells die, and even hair cells die. But the fat cells in my stomach must have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior since they seem to have eternal life. You say, Jesus, that's a mountain that needs to be moved. Someone say amen. See, there's a problem with these mountains. The problem is the mountain, because of its mass, causes you to momentarily overlook God's magnificence. Can I say that again? A mountain, because of its big mass, causes us to momentarily overlook God's magnificence and we need to get our eyes back on him. Can I help you today? There are mountain movers walking amongst us today. There are mountain movers in our Bible that God says that we can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Jesus said we would do greater things. In other words, God wants to teach you the, the, the mentality of a mountain mover. And so if you're taking notes, Turn to Zechariah chapter 4 as I share with you the mindset, three mindsets of mountain movers. Now, I always want to give you context because Zechariah 2 is a minor prophet. You're like, what's up with all these minor prophets, okay? Listen, we're getting some education because the Bible is a full course meal, and we don't want to leave any of it out, okay? And in Zechariah, some of you are like, um, I have a book of Zechariah. It's at the back, baby. And don't mix it up with Zephaniah. They're two different Z's. And my hope for you today is you don't catch any Z's as I talk about these prophets starting with Z. Amen? Come on. I thought I made up that joke on the spot last experience. I'm telling you, they told me I should use it again. If, if it flopped, that's on the people who encouraged me. Pray for the voices that are in my life, including the voice in my head that came up with the joke in the first place. Zechariah 4 comes on the back of exile. God's people, the Israelites, were given the promised land, including Jerusalem, and when they disobeyed God, they get exiled. In other words, um, another empire comes and overtakes their land, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar. And the and prophet said, for 70 years, you won't have an identity. You won't have strength. You won't have authority. You will have given up your power. And for 70 years, they're coming up on 70 years when I talk of this Zechariah scripture. But what makes it worse is that the Babylonians have been taken over now by the Persians. In other words, the Israelites are feeling even more hopeless, even more dissipated that their captors have become captors themselves. Are we going to exist anymore? Is this the end as we know it? Where is God except in the first year of the Persian takeover? King Darius decides in the first year, I'm going to rebuild Jerusalem. And he sends people like Zerubbabel back to govern this thing and to watch over it. Say Zerubbabel. 
So here we go. Three mindsets of mountain movers. Look at verse 1. Then the angel who had been talking with me returned and he woke me as though I had been asleep. I believe some of the church globally has been asleep nationally has been asleep and I believe God's waking it up because when the church is awake it is an unstoppable force come on I believe parts of our city is going to wake up I believe our nation needs to wake up just as Zerubbabel said for I was awake but I needed to be awoken and he says to, to the prophet the angel says what do you see now here's the first mindset of a mountain mover we see from God's perspective you can look with natural eyes, but we need to see from God's perspective. We need to see differently. Oftentimes, we struggle to see anything in the face of a mountain. Have you been in the face of a large mountain before? You can't see anything on the other side. It steals all your perspective as you say, what are we climbing today? And you go, I'm going to need a few more Gatorades to do this one. Right, and, 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 and we wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to see the other side? What is even on the other side? Maybe this is where I stop. I've been listening to a book on psychology um, from Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote a, a bestseller called, um, it, it's called The Body Keeps Score. And he was working with traumatized PTSD war veterans before they knew what PTSD was. And here's what he described about them. He said, they suffer from a failure of imagination. Without imagination, there is no hope, no chance to envision a better future. In other words, their future has been stolen and robbed and they've been paralyzed by something they saw in the past, a mountain that they're holding on to that they don't believe they're ever going to get past. And so there's no vision, there's no imagination that there could be a better tomorrow. And I want to tell you that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy your vision so that all you see is the mountain that's stuck in front of you so that you succumb to it, you stay paralyzed to it, and you live in fear and say this is as good as it's ever going to get this is where I stop today and I'm here to tell you that God is a mountain mover who wants you to have a different mindset to see from God's perspective this is what it goes on to say in verse 2 what do you see now and, and after, after showing him some crazy things right this is what the angel then asked what are these things my Lord what do they mean and, 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 or this is what Zerubbabel says, and the angel says, don't you know? And he says, no, I don't. Can I equip you with some help today? When you don't see like God's seeing quite yet, it is appropriate to say to God, I don't know what I'm seeing. Come on, all the world wants to make you think you have to have all the answers. Come on, he wants you to assume things. Did you know that assuming is the lowest form of understanding? And so we need to be the type of people like Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Can these bones live again? Only you know that, my Lord. Sometimes when we don't see from God's perspective, it's appropriate to go, I don't have your eyes just yet. But I'm not going to define the mass of this mountain until I get your perspective on it first. Okay, come on. We've got to decide that, um, write this down. Don't determine mountain's mass by assumptions. Get God's perspective first. 
Judges 5.5 says the mountains quaked in the presence of the Lord. The God of Mount, fill in your mountain. He's the God of Mount Sinai, but he's the God of every single mountain. And your mountains still quake in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that mountain can be moved in the name of Jesus. Somebody who needs to get free, say amen. Amen. Number two, Zechariah 4 continues in verse 6. Then the angel said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. Come on, it's by my spirit. It is not by strategies. It is not by great marketing. It is not by incredible efficiency. It's not by productivity. It's not by your academic achievements. Come on, those things are good. But it is not going to be by might. And it is not going to be by power. It is by my spirit. Do you know we need the spirit of God coming behind our productivity, our efficiency, our, 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 our need to, to, to move mountains. And he says this, nothing, someone say nothing. Not even a mighty, what's that word? Not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. Someone say nothing. No spiritual mountain, no financial mountain, no physical mountain, no relational mountain, no marriage mountain. Come on, no parenting mountain needs stand in our way that God won't equip us to speak to the mountain, to see it from God's eyes and to watch the mountain move. And to number two, we draw from God's strength. Write that down, number two, the second mindset of a mountain mover. We don't draw from might. We don't draw from power. We don't draw from my human lineage. We don't draw from my bank account. Someone say praise the Lord for that. We don't draw from these things. We draw from God Almighty. The Spirit of God is the strength who gives me to move this mountain. I love what Pastor Paul Scanlon once tweeted. If you don't like something... Take away its only power, that is, your attention. Sometimes looking at the mountains captivate us, and we're stuck in fear. Just like this psychologist described about the PTSD victims, that it's, it's, a, it's a vision that I can't remove, and so it, it holds me where I am, and I have no imagination for my tomorrow. But I wrote it this way. Sometimes it's too easy for our mountains to gain monopolies in our minds. Sometimes it's easy for our mountains to gain monopolies on our minds, and it's all we can think about. It takes from our sleep. It becomes bigger than it actually is. It steals our anxiety. It causes us worry, fear, and like we're falling short. But God said this, cast all your cares on him come on Micah 1 4 says the mountains melt beneath God's feet like wax before him your mountains are nothing for the maj majesty of our God can I get an amen? amen write this down the best way to regain peace when staring at a massive mountain is to put it back into the hands that are bigger and stronger than it Come on and take a screenshot of that because we need to get our peace back in the midst of a massive mountain by realizing that God's hands are bigger than all that. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the, I ain't got time for that song. Shut it down. Focus on the source of your strength 
more than the size of your task. Focus on the source of your strength more than the size of this mountain that's about to move in his presence. Number three. Here's the third mindset of a mountain mover is this. We know that when we start, we move God's heart. All right, write this one down. When we start, we move God's heart. Listen to Zechariah verse 4. I'm sorry, verse 7. When Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place. Someone say the final stone. When Zerubbabel sets the final stone, the people will shout out, May God bless it. May God bless it. In other words, people will celebrate the final stone. Okay? But listen. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of the temple, and he will complete it too. In other words, if God calls you to start it, God will be faithful to finish it. Come on. We got to trust that we, we start. When we start, we move God's heart. Come on. Sometimes we need to step out in faith and start what God wants to complete. But listen, people will praise the completion of it, but check this out. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's army has sent me. Verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work. What's that word? Begin. People will celebrate you and you can post it on social media when the work is finished. But not many people will celebrate the humble beginnings when you decide in your bedroom that God's called me to it and no mountain's going to stop me from moving it. Come on. I, come on. When we begin, God's hand clap of praise goes up because he knows if we will be confident enough to begin it, then God will give us the capacity to finish it. So we got to trust. This is what faith is all about when we say, come on, if God called me to it, there's no mountain that will stop me. And so God doesn't applaud at the finish. He applauds at you saying, I don't care if no one sees this. I don't care if anyone quotes it. I don't care if anyone takes a picture of it. I don't care if anyone sees it. I see God applauding me from heaven. We start under God's smile. I want to tell you that God has been doing this for our church. Come on. we got to be more focused on his pleasure than the mountain's pressure. We need to be more focused on the uh, uh, our, our, our God's pleasure at us starting than the mountain's pressure saying, you're never going to make it. You were not smart enough. You don't have enough skill sets. You're not experienced enough, and you are too small of a person. And God says, you're going to do it? That's faith. Come on. I am standing smiling because people are going to get delivered, set free, and restored because when we start, it moves God's heart. I want to share with you an announcement that we have that shows that God's been doing this on a bigger scale. Check out how God has been moving at Lift Church. It all started with a handful of people showing up in a backyard to dream of what we could do together. We all had a sense that God had a plan for our city and beyond, and we wanted to be used by God. We prayed, fasted, worshiped, gave, served, and asked God to build his church for six months together. And on January 19, 2019, he did exceedingly above all we could ask or think. 555 people packed into a 444-seat auditorium to see what God was up to at Regal Theater. 
He received the greatest glory when 24 people dedicated their lives to Jesus that day. We could see that God's plans are always larger than our plans, and he was up to something big. Ten weeks later, we hosted our first Easter and held two experiences for the first time. Over 700 people attended to glorify God on Resurrection Sunday. We knew we had to start praying that God would provide the finances and a place where his church could grow and serve our city even better because the rooms were packed. We knew we were young as a church and we wouldn't wait for a building to make a difference in our city. So in July of 2019, that same year, we had our first serve day. 84 people served for 252 hours in seven projects on one Saturday. And we saw grateful people both laugh and cry out of gratitude for God's provision. And even better, we saw the potential strength of the serve muscle of Lift Church. How powerful could it be to see the church mobilized on the regular to provide food, water, shelter, clothing, and care to the least of these in need? After that first year, in response to a growing church, we launched into two experiences weekly on the following January, essentially doubling the needs of our dream team. God was always faithful calling more and more people, not only to his church, but to lift alongside of the rest of us on the dream team. And throughout that first year, 137 people signed up to bring their talents and time to God's house and lift on our team. We also learned that two experiences in a theater that is not our own was possible, but it had its limitations. In order to be out of the theater by noon, our last experience had to dismiss at 11.30 a.m. and the rest of the times fell into place. In order to pull all this off and have two experiences, we'd have to arrive as early as 6 a.m. each week to make it on time. Though it was hard, more than 50 people faithfully volunteered on rotation to give up their sleep on a Sunday morning to build God's church. Their result? 279 people gave their lives to Jesus in 2019 alone. The next three months were amazing. New families, new salvations, new baptisms until... Tonight, the CDC is confirming the first case in the U.S. of a new and deadly coronavirus. Tensions over COVID took center stage in April. Man, we had just finished a relationship series appropriately entitled, You're Killing Me. And that's pretty much how I felt about COVID too. But knowing God had a plan in the midst of all this, and that his church needed to lead the way in offering a safe haven and hope, we decided to change our paradigm. We wouldn't wait for a building to start an excellent broadcast. We'll broadcast an excellent experience every week, even if it means we'll have to portably set it up each week thereafter. We opened our hearts to the new work God was doing, and we invested in new cameras, switchers, and live streaming gear to offer a first-class experience for anyone who can't attend in person. We also knew a hurting world needs the healing hands of God, so we cranked up our serve muscle yet again to lift and serve our city in the name of Jesus. We gave out 2,000 Cinnabons for moms on Mother's Day in quarantine. We served over 110 hours with meals, time at the food bank, and sending meals to emergency workers and teachers. 
On June 14th, we decided to take our Sunday experiences live out front of the Regal for the first time in person. For the first time, we portably set up our broadcast gear with the expectation to give the same great experience in person as we could online for people who could not or should not come out. It was amazing to see how the whole church responded and flourished online, in person, and serving on the Dream Team. God's church is truly an unstoppable force. And on September 14th, we were finally able to resume church gatherings inside the Regal. Through it all, God had used Lift Church to reach 141 salvations and 15 baptisms on that difficult year. So our board, staff, my wife and I unceasingly thank God for all he, he had provided, but also sought a place of our own where we could better serve our city on the regular. A number of places showed promise and a few of them we toured, but nothing felt like God's plan for Lift Church's home base where we could grow from. One particular letdown came in the end of 2020 when we looked into an ideal dream location. While its location and size were ideal, we were let down to hear it was under contract at a sale price we couldn't beat. Still, our team continued to pray and fast that it would all be done in God's timing. And we continued our diligent search, but we couldn't help to notice that God, at the same time, was amplifying generous giving. In one month, we had unprecedented generous donations in the sum of $200,000 that came in and spoke to our heart loud and clear that God was saying, get ready, put all in order, dream big, believe what he'll do next. In January 2nd of this year, we began our fourth season of prayer and fasting for 21 days. Three days into that fast, for the first time in nine months, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit about inquiring of our ideal location again. I knew it was a long shot and actually it wouldn't work for a number of reasons, so I quickly dismissed it as my own human wishful thinking. But not 30 seconds up the road, 30 seconds later, my phone rang with a name I recognized. With my heart beginning to beat out of my chest, I answered the call from the owner of that dream location. Drew, are you interested in my building still? I'd like to see your church in there. Let's see if we can find numbers that work for both of us. <laughs> Lauren and I went and toured it that same day. On the following Sunday, one of our dream teamers shared what God was speaking to her through the fast, new vessels. Cheryl Plymel interpreted it on her own situation for her own house, but her and I both secretly wondered, was God meaning this word for Lift Church too? Then four days later, I get a birthday text from a couple who loves Lift Church, but because of living a distance away, we had given them our blessing for them to pursue a more local church for them. With no awareness of what was going on and in our fast, Claire texted, Happy birthday, Drew. After praying in the spirit, I kept hearing the word expansion. I declare expansion in 2022 over you. So after discussing the opportunity with our dream building and what God was doing, we put together a pitch to the building's owners that would not hinder our current ministry or staff financially. Their reply, I think we can make this work. 
Come on, I'm telling you many times from then until now, heavy mountains of opposition threatened immovability. But each and every time through prayer, God made a way where there was no way. And after much prayer, fasting, and due diligence, on April 11th, the board and I signed a lease with a trigger to purchase this property. What is this dream ideal property location? Construction will begin to renovate 25,000 square foot of the old Gander Mountain space to become the new home of Lift Church. This building is prime and right across the street where we currently meet in Regal and will become the seat to continue our vision of pressing on until all of Delmarva knows they are lifted by Jesus to be lifters of Jesus, to lift others for Jesus. Or in short, he lifts, I lift, and we lift, baby. We will use it to see lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastored people trained, and trained people mobilized. It will be a great tool to use to grow God's kingdom, a place to grow our church and college, to develop leaders, launch other campuses, create impactful experiences, broadcast midweek content to send to you, and expand our missions' impact. The future is bright and the best is yet to come. So thank you, Lyft Church and friends of Lyft. We wouldn't be here without your prayers and support. If you're interested in partnering with us and helping to make this dream come true, there are three ways to do that. I want to let you know that we've already raised $600,000 for renovations required for this massive blank canvas. But the renovation budget itself is actually $1 million, and we're believing there's a few givers on the other side of this that will help us close the gap of $400,000 so we can do it without debt. If you're interested in giving, go to liftsby.com and select the fund legacy or text to give using the keyword legacy added to the amount you want to give. Number two, we'll be calling a few work days along the way. If you have a skill or are willing to help, keep your ears peeled for opportunities or let us know what your company could offer by visiting liftsby.com build to get more involved. We'd be incredibly grateful. And the third thing you could do is pray because we know that prayer and fasting works. It opened the doors many times and it'll do it again. Help us pray for permits, favor, and favor with our surrounding neighbors. Lift Church, we love you. Friends, we love you. And we cannot wait to see how God uses all of us together to continue a move of God to the city of Salisbury and beyond. Come on, who wants to give God some glory right now? Why don't you stand to your feet and give God a little bit of glory? Is he worthy of his worship? Can he move any immovable mountain? Come on, let's praise him right now. Come on.
Because the sound of praise is about to get loud. Come on, find a seat or else we'll never be able to shut this message down. I want to tell you that this is more than just a building. A building is not God's heart. A building is just four walls to be used as a tool to touch the true church, which is you and I. It is our neighbors, it is our city, it's the surrounding cities. And so what we are glorifying God for is that he is making way to do more and more of that in our loved ones' lives. Can I get an amen? Listen, if he can do it for the church, he can do it for you too. Hey, there's two dates I want to tell you about so that you can mark down. Um, Number one, tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to open up the building for a come and see, okay? So if you can make plans, if you can change your plans, come and meet us at 5 o'clock right across the street. Uh, um, If you don't know where it's at, just search the address for the Harley-Davidson. We're going to be next door neighbors with them. Come on. It's going to be awesome. From 5 to 6, we'll let you walk around, share some of the plans, hear some of your heart, but we'll also pray for 30 minutes as well and cover that place in prayer. Amen? And then the following Saturday, six days from now, on Saturday from 9 to 12, we're going to do a little work day. we got some demo that we can be doing together. So if you want to bring some tools and come out and help us do a little bit of demo work to get the building ready for the construction that's about to come, we'd be grateful. Can we give God one more shout of praise? Come on, He's good. Don't do that, Todd. You'll get me starting to try to sing the song. Let me share with you one more scripture about mountains that two different prophets declared at two different times in two different places. And they said in Isaiah 2, verse 2, and Micah 4, verse 1, they said in the last days, the mountains, someone say mountain, the mountains of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. Come on. It will be the most important place on earth. I am thankful for a gander mountain, but God's got a mountain even higher than that mountain. It's the most important place of all. It's the place where people meet with him and says it will be raised above every other hill and the people from all over the world will stream there to worship. I'm declaring this word over this that I think God was not shocked to use the word stream 
way ahead of its time because I believe some will stream in through the doors from all over the world and some will stream in through online doors to also hear the glory of God coming out of this building. Let's give God someone some more praise. But I want to pray before we close. I want you to just open your hands right now, bow your head and reflect on your own life right now. If this is the heart of God, and if God is for you, then I want you to receive all he's got for you. And if the highest mountain of all will be his place, the place of heaven, I want you to be there too. But the question I must ask is, will you be there? I can remember in 2002 when I was living a life that I knew if today was my day or whenever my day would come that I would no longer breathe air on this side of earth. I was scared to meet my Lord and Maker because I knew I was sinning. I knew I was doing things that I couldn't look God in the face. And I knew I had heavy shame and heavy guilt. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I want to tell you that you don't have to live under condemnation and shame for the mistakes that you have made. I learned on that day that if I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He was the sinless one who came down out of heaven to live as human beings just like you and I. Only He lived in perfection when we lived in imperfection. And He died a sinner's death so that He took the place of you and I. He paid our bill in full so that all of our sin and shame can be washed away under the blood of Jesus Christ who is not deserving of death. And he did it cheerfully so that you and I could be set free. It was for freedom that Jesus sets you free. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you have that sinking feeling in your gut, I believe the Holy Spirit is working on you right now saying today's the day. It's time to turn your life around. It's time to give it to God. Give Him a go and watch what He can do with your life. He was there when He created you and He's got the best plans for you. If you're in this place, I will not embarrass you. I will not call you down and no one's looking around. But I want you to hold your hand up real high right now to heaven and say, that's me. God, I'm making a decision to live for you today. Come on, see your hand. Come on, see your hand. Come on. Yes, I see your hand. Be courageous today. Today's a great day of faith. And God's always a rewarder of faith. He is about to turn your life around. Take away all your sin and shame. If you're online and you say, that's me. I needed to be in on that. Just write in the chat. Include me too. And we're going to pray. Now, all of the church, I'm going to ask you to join in prayer with those who raise their hand and everybody online as we pray out loud. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I've made some mistakes. I have sinned. I've fallen short of how, who I'm supposed to be. I've messed up. I'm so sorry for the mistakes I made. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me free. Let me start all over again. Because of Jesus and how he died for me on the cross, my sin has been paid. I am now free. I am now a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. Let all of this life be lived for the glory of Jesus Christ. He's my new Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray.
And the church said, 